Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about art, creativity, and learning. We all could use a little creative nudge every now and then, something that will prod us, encourage us, and give us a shot of inspiration. Well, Artistic Accomplices is the podcast that does just that. It gives you small doses of motivation and creative encouragement. So as you make, create, play, and live, I'm here to share my thoughts on art, creativity, and learning. I'm also going to interview artists, writers, educators, and much, much more. So like the gym buddy that motivates you to hit the gym on a regular basis, Artistic Accomplices is that little voice in your ear telling you to hit the studio or to pull out the paints or to pick up the pen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome and thank you for joining me once again. I am Eric Scott and this is Artistic Accomplices. Today I want to continue the discussion about how you can get started with your creative endeavor. So maybe you have a studio, maybe you have a space that you want to go and you want to do your creative work, but you're having some trouble getting started. So I've already shared a, a few uh, strategies in, in previous podcasts and in, in the last podcast, I talked about this notion of play, of, of being able to play with materials, with ideas, with things as a way to tap into that creativity. And I want to expand and go a little bit deeper into this notion of, of how you do get started because I think that's what bogs a lot of people down that they want to do something they want to make art they want to start baking they want to play music they want to write songs they want to write poetry or a novel or they, they, there's something creative that they want to do but they they stop before they get started and i want to go into a, a strategy that anybody can use to help push that creativity to help get themselves started because you might have a dedicated studio space you might have just the coffee table or you might just have the dining room table um, or maybe just a spot on the couch where you want to dive into this creative endeavor whatever it is that you have, have chosen to do and you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm gonna play, but then all of a sudden it feels like you don't have any ideas. Like there's just nothing there. And that's just an all too common feeling that a lot of people run into is that, you know, we sit down to make our work and then all of a sudden it's like we go blank. Like we just can't think of anything at all. But I don't feel that's the case. I think that's rarely, rarely the case. I think that that feeling of, oh, I can't think of anything is actually the opposite, that we can think of things, but we do a couple things. We, first of all, there's just so many things that it's hard to decide like, oh, which, 
what would what, what do I do? Like I could do this and this and this and this, and then we're running that through our our heads, and we kind of feel like, oh, oh, I don't I, I don't know what to do. And the other thing that we do is that not only are we overwhelmed by the amount of choices, but then we're trying to judge like what's the best, what would be the best thing to do, um, or what's going to turn out good. Um, so we kind of enter into that judgment mode, you know, that thing that we have to suspend in order to really get present with our creativity, to really tap into that creative flow. We have it right from the beginning. And we're trying to judge ideas and uh, notions and concepts and things before we even begin. And we get stifled. So I think it is a matter of having just too many choices. Uh, I've worked with a lot of students from little kids, young kids, all the way up to uh, older adults. And I often find that it's people will say like, oh, I just don't know what to do. And it's not that they don't know what to do. They're, They're having difficulty in picking just one thing. And, um, you know, because there's just too many things or like I said, that they're they're thinking like, oh, well, that's not really a good idea. And so they're going through this list in their head and they're like checking things off like, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good. Um, Oh, that's a terrible idea. Oh, that. Why am I even thinking about that? And so there's just too many choices and we're trying to judge them. Um, So it can be really difficult to settle on one thing or one path or one mode of working because of all of these ideas competing in our minds. I came across a really good TED Talk. Uh, I've mentioned TED Talks before and I've mentioned uh, various people that that I've watched on there. If you have not watched a TED Talk, I highly recommend them. Um, So TED is an acronym that stands for uh, Technology, Entertainment, and Design, I think. Um, And what they do is every, I think it's every year now, but uh, they they put on like this big convention and people come and give these talks. There's also uh, TEDx talks where they they come to local places. Um, So if you go to their website, there are hundreds and hundreds of videos uh, and I occasionally go through and I sit down but I always go back to certain ones and I watch them over and over and one of those that I, I've done that to is by a psychologist uh, Barry Schwartz and he actually takes a look at this notion of too many choices he has a, has a book out I haven't read the book but um, in his TED talk he really kind of focuses focuses on some of the the key points of the book but the book is called the paradox of choice and the TED talk is is titled the exact same thing and so he he talks about how um, you know we as people like we we have this freedom right we have freedom and um, that part of or a key part of our happiness seems to be that like yeah we have freedom but we have freedom to choose and that um, the common thinking is that the more choices you have the better you are the better things are going to be and the happier you're going to be so in this talk he talks all about that and but what he says is that um, instead of creating happiness or fulfillment having too many choices actually 
causes the opposite. First of all, having too many choices causes like this paralysis. So when we're focused uh, or faced with all of these different choices, um, we become simply overwhelmed with all that there is. So if you've ever gone shopping for a car and you're you're like oh you know I'm trying to compare and contrast or um, you know you're trying to buy something and you want to get the best uh, you know you might compare TVs or you might be going shopping for a new washing machine and you know you're looking at the reviews and you're looking at this and you're looking at that and you're trying to narrow it down Barry Schwartz in this video talks about how well people oftentimes when they're faced with so many choices just shut down and they they make no choice at all they're just too overwhelmed with with the choice and that happens so often when we go to make art or we go to write or we go to to bake or whatever it is that we do as our creative endeavor we can get overwhelmed with the amount of choices that are in front of us. So we might go to our studio, we might have every conceivable art supply. Uh, we might have all the various pots and pans and gadgets and utensils in our kitchen. Or we might have 75 different colors of whatever. And we kind of feel like, oh, if I have all this stuff, I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to make really awesome things. I'm going to do great things with all of this stuff that I have. So we naturally fill our spaces with all of this stuff. I'm guilty of it. I can look around my studio right now and I can see things that fill my space and I have to ask myself, well, how much of this stuff, how much paint, how, how many markers, colored pencils go unused because it's just sitting there. I'm not doing anything with it. And a lot of times people just kind of get stuck in the cycle of, of buying new things. And I... I Unfortunately, I think a lot of companies and businesses and stores kind of rely on that and they encourage that and they perpetuate that. Um, so, you know, these art supply companies and these craft stores and art stores and whatever else um, want us to buy their things, you know. So, yeah, we can buy one set of paint and that can last us years and years and years. But the the companies want us to buy 20 different kinds of paint or we they want us to paint the buy all the different colors um so unfortunately you know they come out with new materials and i think a lot of people and i'm just kind of speaking as usual from a visual arts uh standpoint but i think there's probably equivalence in a lot of the other creative uh pursuits but um I think what happens is that people see these new materials and they go, oh, wow. And I think there's a promise there, like new materials, new things kind of are, are promising us something that, you know, we're going to um, 
we're going to be able to make better and more creative things and we're going to be able to do awesome stuff if we just have the latest and the, and the greatest thing. And so we go out and we buy that buy these you know we go to the store and we buy these things or we order online and this box comes and we're ecstatic at first and we, we're going through and it feels like Christmas and or our birthday and we're like oh wow check all out all this stuff and then the high sort of wears off or the novelty kind of wears off and then we're sitting there going now what what am I supposed to do now with this with this so all of a sudden we feel this letdown we have this new material we have this new instrument we have this new gadget but then now what um, unfortunately we're faced with those overwhelming choices and we might not do anything with them we get overwhelmed by it and so then we turn like oh look there, there's another new great thing out there. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go buy that. And that's going to solve my problem. That's going to solve my creativity problem. And I'm going to be able to make awesomely creative things. And then we get the thing and the cycle goes on and on and on. And before long, we have all of this stuff and we actually feel less creative. We feel less productive. And then we start to feel guilty because we're looking around at all of the money that we spent, all of the stuff that sits there unused. And then it becomes even more overwhelming. And then we just kind of get in the cycle and we get stuck. So having too many choices is a bad thing. Now, it's not always materials. I mean, material things, that's easy to relate to um, but we can also be overwhelmed by ideas by techniques by all kinds of other things too um, so it's not just materials but that that's something that we can easily focus on okay so we can just simply have too many ideas too many supplies and it is too difficult it is overwhelming and we just don't know what to do so how do we move forward then how do we get started if we feel like oh my goodness i'm i'm i just have there's i can't decide you know we get so overwhelmed um a lot of anxiety comes out because of it and we just get stuck so how do we move forward well, we have to learn to set limits. We have to have limitations. It's that act of limiting our materials or our ideas or our colors or whatever that our creativity can take off. Now, for a lot of people, that's going to seem very counterintuitive or very counter, counter normal. You know, that it it goes against what we typically believe we typically believe like oh if i have all this stuff then i could just choose this and i could do that but having too many choices can be so overwhelming that we don't do anything and there's a quote and i've used it here on the podcast i've shared it before but it's one of my favorite quotes um and it's by psychologist rollo may and uh, Rollo May wrote a lot about creativity, and I love this quote. Creativity requires limits. 
for the creative act rises out of the struggle of human beings with and against that which limits them. So when we have those limitations, we aren't so overwhelmed by choices because we've narrowed the choices down. We've taken away a lot of those choices and it's those limitations that can help us be creative. So, you know, what happens if I only have a pen and a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper? What can I do with that? As a visual artist, oh, I, I can draw, but I can also write, I can doodle, I can do all kinds of things. Oh, I just have a pen and a pencil, that's a limitation. So it, if we don't set limitations, then it's gonna be very, very difficult for us to move, move on. And unfortunately, that's, that's what gets in the way of a lot of people is that they don't know how to set limitations, maybe that's it, or it could be that they're afraid to set limitations, that they're afraid like, oh, well, if I choose this, then I'm gonna end up making something bad. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do something that I'm not proud of, something that's terrible, or it's just gonna plain suck. There's just, there's that fear. And again, it goes back to that idea of judgment. So if we can be present, if we can, if we can push back that resistance and be open to non-judgment and not be attached to our ideas, and we can just choose. And I'll get into that a little bit more later, but um, oftentimes these choices though, these limitations are sort of outside of us. They're sort of imposed on us because of our circumstances. Um, and there's, a, there's an artist, it's another TED Talk, and I've mentioned this on uh, the podcast before, but artist Phil Hansen has a TED Talk called Embrace the Shake. So you can go on TED.com, look up Phil, Phil Hansen, or I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but he talks about his journey as an artist. And he was in art school, and he was very fond of pointillism, of using a pen and doing tiny, tiny dots. And it's just a lot of repetition of these tiny tiny dots so imagine making hundreds and thousands of little dots for a picture that repeated motion ended up causing nerve damage in his hand so he he noticed that his hand was shaking and he was no longer able to make these neat little dots and so he just gave up art for a while and just kind of left it behind, but then realized a few years later that like, no, I, I want to make art. So he went to a doctor and the doctor discovered that he had nerve damage in his hand and that there was nothing they could do to fix it. That that was just something that it was, it was you know, he was going to have to deal with. And he was just sort of pondering, wondering like, what am I going to do? And the doctor just asked him he says well you know why don't you just embrace the shake and so he did he he decided instead of looking at this as something that's going to end my artistic endeavors my creativity how can i use that or how can i use that limitation to drive my creativity uh, to drive his approach to art. So yeah, he was no longer able to make the tiny dots, 
But then that led him to ask questions like, well, what can I do? Like, what what are the things that I can do if I can't do these tiny dots? And so he started working with this limitation and seeing how he could push it. And it, it took him in directions that he would never have gone in if he hadn't had this issue in the first place. So dealing with this limitation led him in very different directions. And um, he does some really fascinating art. He does a lot with portraits. So he all, even when he did his pointillism, he worked with portraits. So he still, most of, much of his work is portrait based, but it's so vastly different. Um, and it's it's great to 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 see his work, um, and so there's there's videos and there's images and there's all kind of things online that you can see, and of course you can follow him on social media and all that kind of stuff. But um, if he never had that limitation, he may have just still been doing tiny dots, doing pointillism. So sometimes th these limitations are outside of us. It could be a medical condition like Phil Hansen. Um, or maybe it's it's something that we were born missing fingers or whatever. Um, maybe it's the fact that we can't afford a lot of new supplies. I, I've mentioned on this podcast before that I grew up pretty poor. And so my family couldn't afford a lot of art materials. And so one year I got some paints for Christmas and I save those paints i use them very sparingly and and i like i would just squeeze out a little bit and because i knew like once it was used up i probably wasn't going to get any more and so i tried to like make it stretch as far as i could so you know that was a limitation that was imposed on me that that was outside of me that i couldn't really do i couldn't really do anything about it um so maybe, you know, you can't afford certain materials or you can't afford a new computer to write your novel on. Um, or maybe you have a small kitchen, and, and but you really want to perfect your baking technique. Or maybe you just have a hot plate instead of a, a full six burner uh, stove. Um, so we have to learn to, to work within those limits. But we do kind of push up against them and sometimes we can kind of see like, oh, can I bend these? So it's kind of like rules, but oh, how, how can I bend them? How can I push up against them? How can I make them work for me? And then oftentimes um, those limitations come from other people. So for many people, they like taking a class or um, going and doing a workshop because the instructor, the teacher, might have the limits. So I think about school, you know, I taught school for 20 years. Um, and when I first started teaching, I, I taught art projects where I had a very uh, predictable outcome. I had something in mind and I taught students. I gave them the limitations. I said, okay, we're going to use graphite pencil and we're going to draw portraits and they have to be this big and we're going to use the grid technique. So I just kind of laid it out there. That I put the limitations on that on them, and for many students that was fine because then they didn't really have to think for themselves. They didn't have to decide what the limitations were going to be. And I see that a lot now with uh, the the workshops. 
uh, especially at certain at some art retreats or you know like, like I'm looking online and um, I think a lot of adults a lot of people who are just getting into some in cre uh, some creative endeavor really like having that kind of recipe to follow because again it gives them limitations that they don't have to decide on and it's it's easier to do that but what I always found was that I always I always bumped up against those limits I always wanted to do my own thing I wanted to kind of push those limits um, and I unfortunately I think a lot of students whether they're kids or adults don't want to do that they kind of see like oh the, the instructors telling me how to do it I have to do it that way that's the only way that's the right way of doing it um, so I think a lot of people like this like I said it really it it uh, keeps them from thinking they don't have to pick the limit so it kind of re relieves them of that burden but then the real question is then whose creativity is it if I'm making a project because I'm following directions of somebody and it looks just like theirs then it's not my project it's their project I'm just kind of making making my my version of it. I'm making a product and not a a project um, so we we don't we can't always rely on others I mean that could, could be a good way of getting started of of learning some things but if we really want to create in some authentic manner we have to decide for ourselves what those limits what those limitations are going to be and limitations help us with our creativity they help push us in a couple of big big ways and the first way I think is that they provide us with a challenge they help excuse me they help us set a challenge for ourselves it gives us a place to start so when we set a limit we are creating a challenge we're kind of throwing down the gauntlet in front of ourselves and saying I challenge you to do this now you can search the internet for any number of challenges and there are a lot especially with visual arts there are a lot of challenges out there uh, that people have come up with to help themselves and to help others I mean I've even done it I've I've done it a couple different times actually I did it as a full year thing and I every day I posted a new challenge um, actually I ended up doing it not every day but every week and I would post seven different challenges uh, for the week and that that would be you know oh, okay here's your challenge for the day and I always did it where it wasn't super specific it might be oh use watercolor or another one might be explore identity and that's a great way to 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 maybe set a limit without setting too many limits so like relying on somebody else to give you a limit uh, to maybe help get the ball going to help get things going but still I think if you really want to make art or create something that is truly yours truly authentic that truly is your voice then you need to learn how to set a limit and how to create these challenges for yourselves so for me a lot of times those those challenges are about materials so like I, I mentioned watercolor so uh, a lot uh, 
materials that's a that's an easy way it's a it's a very accessible way to set a limitation and to create some kind of challenge so we might say to ourselves i'm only going to use watercolor paint uh you know for the next two hours as i work on whatever we might say to ourselves you know i'm going to use my favorite pen and i'm going to write longhand that that sets a challenge instead of working on a computer you might say oh I'm only going to use these certain ingredients in the kitchen I'm only going to play this instrument and I think a lot of times with music we sort of like people naturally kind of limit themselves they say okay I'm going to start out by learning this instrument and they pick one so most people many musicians only learn one instrument but then you have others that are like, oh, I'm going to play this one. I'm going to play that. And they kind of learn different instruments, sometimes all at the same time. Sometimes they'll focus on one instrument and then move to another. But again, it's that it's giving yourself some kind of limitation. So I use this approach all the time. Um, and, you know, I have a studio full of lots of different materials. I have acrylic paints. I have watercolor paints. I have watercolor pencils. I have regular colored pencils. I have graphite pencils. Um, and then, you know, not only do I have regular acrylic paint, but I have high flow, a very liquid acrylic paint. Um, I have like four or five different kinds of watercolor paint. Um, there, there's so many different things that I could do so when I walk into the studio and I'm like okay what am I gonna do I often decide first a material so I'll sit down at my table or I'll go over to my easel and I'll be like I'm gonna use this paint or I'm gonna just use a pen today um, so I so thinking about this notion of play that I talked about last time that's how I play is that I go okay I'm gonna use watercolor and then I sit down and I might take, you know, six or seven or eight or ten little pieces of paper, maybe four by six or five by seven, and I'll just take watercolor. And I'm like, okay, what can I do? And so I've limited the materials that I'm going to use. And I'll experiment and play and I'll try out different things. And I'll do that for, for a couple hours. And then as I get going, sometimes then I'm like, oh, okay, now I can try this or I can add that but you know it might be like okay I did watercolor now I'm gonna use watercolor pencil and so again I'm setting myself a limit with the materials you can also take that a bit further with the materials and think about techniques that you use so you can narrow down your challenge so you might say I'm I'm going to use watercolor but I'm only going to use these three techniques a wet on dry a wet on wet a splatter technique um, when you bake bread, you might think, okay, I'm only, I'm only going to use these ingredients and I'm only going to uh, try different flatbreads. If you're thinking about writing poetry, you might think, okay, I'm going to write only haikus. So you might sit down and experiment and write five haikus or whatever. You, you, you're limiting yourself down to something a little bit more narrow. <clears throat> so we can focus on materials but like i said materials techniques those aren't the only ways that we can limit ourselves we can also limit the ideas um, so a lot of times especially in visual arts i'm I, I think about a theme or a big idea 
So maybe maybe I want to explore identity one day. I, I come in, okay, I'm thinking about identity. Or um, maybe you want to sit down and write something because you just lost somebody that you cared about or you lost a pet, so you want to focus on grief and loss. Or maybe you had something happen and you're like, oh, I want to do something about my family. Or, oh, I want to write a song about you know, love or this relationship that I just was in or this or that. So we can take an idea and that could be another approach. So we can come at it from that kind of angle. So of course we could limit all kind of other things, but this notion of limiting our ideas of sort of picking a theme, um, that again, that's a way to narrow down to, to help us move forward. And I, I do that a lot in, in my artwork in general and, and working in my visual journal. Um, but a lot of times those ideas, those themes come up after I start, start after I get started, after I, I'm making and I'm working, the ideas start to come. <clears throat> so I, I use the idea, the big idea of connection a lot. So my art revolves for the most part around this notion of connection but that in itself is pretty broad i mean what kind of connection it's usually about how i connect to myself to others and places is kind of kind of um how i approach it but still that is a very very broad notion uh, so how can i limit that even further so let me give you a very specific example um, let's see, uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was collecting a lot of toys. And I think it was in part because growing up poor, I, 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 we couldn't afford a lot of toys. So um, when the prequels of the Star Wars movie came out, see, I, I grew up, I was three years old, four years old when the original Star Wars movie came out. So since I was three, four years old, I've been a huge Star Wars fan. And when the prequels came out and they re-released the, uh, the, the original three movies back in the late 90s, they, they um, released a whole new line of toys. And I started collecting them. And then that kind of spread to other toys. And, and you know, I kind of would set them up. And I, I didn't keep them in the package. You know, I, I never really, to me, like, oh, it's a toy. It's going to come out of the package. And I never, like, imagined these things would be, be extremely valuable. <clears throat> so I had all these toys, but then when I got married, I kind of packed them up. I got rid of a lot of them, but I saved some of my favorites. And I, I've just had this box of toys just sort of like sitting around, uh, not doing anything. So I pulled it out one year, a couple years ago, and I started thinking like, I want to use these. So right then and there, that, that was a limitation. I was, I was picking a limitation for, of materials, but an idea so connecting well even though these toys weren't from my childhood I kind of see toys as a relic of childhood so as an adult if I still have toys it could be a relic from my childhood but in this case since they were actually toys that were made around uh, the late 90s early 2000s they weren't from my childhood but as a child I love Star Wars so I had these Star Wars toys and I thought what can I do with them now again these are not the original Star Wars toys from 
the 70s this this was from you know the late 90s not really worth a whole lot of money out of the package and everything and I thought what can I do with these so I was thinking about this notion that these toys could represent a relic from my childhood and I wanted to do something with them and so you know it's that connection it's it's connecting back to childhood and I thought about how a lot of times when archaeologists are, are digging up things you know they're crusted with dirt and grime and um, there's a lot of maybe rust if it's iron uh, you know <clears throat> there's all this this stuff you know they're not they don't find pristine shards of, of clay pots they, they find things that <clears throat> excuse me that really show that kind of that that age that time so I decided to paint the toys and I painted them in a way to kind of make them look sort of old and sort of to have this kind of rugged dirty built up kind of patina on them and then I built this box to kind of make it look like they were just kind of dug up and so I created it's a I had an idea for a series and I started it but I've only completed two pieces so I actually have a Luke Skywalker and it's a little Luke Skywalker action figure that that's been all painted with this sort of like brown rusty kind of patina and he's in this box and it's just this notion that it's it's a relic it's sort of like a piece of a bygone time so taking taking that toy and taking that notion of connecting my adult self with my childhood self I was able to come up with a new idea for some artwork so limitations limiting ourselves can help us um, create these sort of creative challenges for ourselves so of course we can limit so many other things it doesn't have to be just materials or just ideas it can be color it can be size it can be shape it can be so many different things and every creative endeavor has its own things that you can limit it, limit <clears throat> so you know kind of start thinking about that as you are beginning something how how can I set a limitation to help give myself a challenge now the other thing that limitations do and, I, and I've been kind of skirting around this is this idea of focus that limitations help us focus so it helps us filter out all of the other things all of the other ideas all the all the choices so like I said at the beginning we are often overwhelmed with all of the choices that we can make as a creative person that we get paralyzed because it's like we're just being bombarded by one idea after another we're, we're being bombarded by all all these notions all these ideas all these things that we could create so by limiting them by setting certain parameters we can focus our creative energies because we're filtering out all this other stuff so we don't have to you know try to like do everything that we're thinking about we are focusing on certain things and so we can find a way to move forward 
because we've said we're going to do this. So with so many ideas and so many choices, by coming up with some kind of limitation, whether it's an idea, whether it's about materials, or whether it's about whatever, th that limitation, and especially if we set a number, if we, if we set a number of limitations, that can really help us narrow down and, and find focus um, on something to be able to create and move forward. But here's the thing we actually have to make a choice. And that's where you want to leave judgment out of it. You, you just want to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to try to predict what this is going to be like. I'm not going to try to envision something very specific. I am just going to set a limit and give myself a challenge. But you have to actually decide on it. Now, if, if you're having some trouble with that, you know, find some of those challenges online find where somebody has given you maybe the first step the first limitation but you have to finally kind of construct that that set of parameters and that's how you begin to create so a lot of times what I do and I think what a lot of artists do is that you know it's like how how do we set that how do we come up with the things, the, the limitations, how do we pick from all that stuff, all those ideas, all those materials, all those things, how do we pick one thing? The easiest and probably the most efficient way to do it is to do it completely randomly and arbitrarily. So if you're sitting there struggling and you're, you just can't decide and you're like, oh, I could do watercolor or, oh, I could grab my colored pencils or, oh, I have these awesome pens or, oh, look, over here I've got this paper and maybe I could do some. Well, you just go, okay, I'm going to pick one thing. And maybe you close your eyes, you spin around and you point at something. Or you just say whatever is the first thing that pops in your head. Oh, I'm going to use acrylic paint today. Now, if you're like, oh, I'm going to use acrylic paint today, but you don't have any, maybe pick something that you have so you don't have to go out and buy more stuff or get more things. So if you can be completely random and arbitrary about it, that might help you. Um, and again, it's, it's that way of kind of taking choice out or like the deliberation out of it. I don't I don't want to say choice because you're making a choice, but you're you're taking the deliberation, you're taking the judgment out of it. You're just going to say, "Okay, I am going to cut and glue paper." And then you might think like, "Oh, well, what paper?" So then you might have to make another choice, another limitation, and it could just be, "I'm just going to use magazine." Or "I'm just going to use colored construction paper." And so you can pick those things and if you do it without much thought, with, without much fuss and bother, then at least you can get started. And so that those limitations, picking those random kind of things, sets us in motion. It allows us to get going. And then once we get going, we kind of get, we can get into a groove. And that's what I always find that I'll, I'll, I'll be working and I'll be like, Going back to those watercolor examples, you know, I have six, eight papers in front of me and I'm painting. I get into a groove. And then once you're kind of into that groove and you're making, then 
you might decide that you want to impose further limitations. You might say, okay, instead of just using watercolor, I am going to use just pinks and purples. So you might limit the colors that you use. Or you might decide, oh, instead of just watercolor, I'm going to uh, use just squares. So watercolor and just using squares. So you're adding another parameter, another limitation on it. Or you might find that you need to open up a bit or maybe you need to switch. So you might be, okay, I've used watercolor, that's looking cool, but now I wanna use a pen. And you pick up your pen and then, oh, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna write something on these or am I gonna draw squares? Am I going to use lines? So then you have to set another limitation. But if you're not sure, you just pick something random. What's the first thing that pops in your head? And suspending that judgment, being open to that idea of non-judgment will help you to sort of move forward because then you can be like, oh yeah, that didn't turn out great, but I got a lot of things started. So you have to make the choice. You have to do that. If you're always relying on other people to set those limitations, to set the, the process, to set the procedure, you're just following a recipe. And you might say, oh, yeah, but I want to be a baker and that's going to, you know, I want to learn. Okay, so you can, you have those limitations, but then how can you start to introduce your own? I mean, where did recipes come from? Somebody basically probably took a basic recipe, recipe and then changed things, did things their way. Or said, how can I do this differently? Or how can I do this better? Or what if I did this? So that's, that's a good question to ask is like, what would happen if I did this? What if I started drawing circles? What if I used red paint? What would happen if I did, and then fill in the blank? That helps you focus your energies. It helps you decide. Um, so as you become more comfortable with setting limitations, you'll probably find that you become more deliberate with how you do that. And you, you, might, um, you, you might find yourself, like I said, becoming more comfortable with it, that idea of being more deliberate. Um, so you'll learn like, oh, okay, you know, I'm gonna go in, I usually start with watercolor, okay, I think I'll do that again today because that's comfortable, I know what I'm doing. Or you might come in and go, okay, I usually do it this way, I usually set these limitations, let me throw something random out there again. And that randomness, that arbitrariness can be a, a way to sort of kick your, your creativity in a new direction. So it's it's dealing with these limitations that's going to help you creatively. It might seem very counterintuitive. It might seem very counter common sense. Uh, so you might feel like, oh, I need to have all of these choices in order to be very creative. But having too many choices is probably getting in your way. So finding a way that you can start to set some of those 
those limitations is going to be important as you move forward. So don't be afraid to just try setting some of those limitations for yourself. So I think that kind of wraps up uh, the discussion today. Um, hopefully you got something out of it. But again, that idea of limitations, I'm going to go back to that quote by Rollo May. Creativity requires limits for the creative act rises out of the struggle of human beings with and against that which limits them. So often those limitations come from outside of us. We have no choice or no say in it. But so often, we, those choices, those limitations have to come from within us. We have to put limitations on ourselves about what we use, how we use it, and what we want to say when we are using those materials. So anyway... <clears throat> I hope you have enjoyed this. Um, think about how you might take this notion of limitations and apply it to your own creative work. And uh, as always, happy creating and thanks so much. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me. Thank you.